Before we get started, before any of this starts, I'd like to remind you that you can experience an ad-free version of this by clicking the link in the description that says plus.acast.com slash s slash Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Exurgat Deus Dispentur de Nemici Eus et Fugianque Erderenteum Apache Eus. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered, and let all those who hate him flee from before his face. <clears throat> I think probably one of my favorite things to do is to see exactly how it is that uh, Michael Matt ends his remnant program every week. <clears throat> In part, most of it, I actually enjoy getting somebody's perspective when they've been in the fight for Catholic tradition since the early days. Michael Mack gets a lot of flack from a lot of people. But I can definitely tell you that if it wasn't for him, most of us wouldn't even know what they took from us. Most of us wouldn't even know what we're fighting for. And that's important. Because faith comes by hearing. And if we never hear it, how are we supposed to have the faith? This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. Let's get started with a prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Sancta Michael Archangelae, defendenos proelio, contra nequitiam et insidias diabolias do praesidium. Imperatili Deus, supplicas de precamor, duque princeps militae calestis, sancta maliosque spiritus malignos, quae perditionem animarum, pervegantur in mundo divina virtute, in infernum netrule. Amen. Coriesu sacratissimum miserere nobis, mater dolorosa, ora pro nobis. Beatis Carolus domo Austriae, ora pro nobis. Domine, ostende facem tuum et salvi erimus, Ave Maria Purissima, Immaculata Conceptio Est. 
In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. I had a supposition a few months ago. And as time goes on, I think that's actually becoming the case. I think it actually... Um, <clears throat> I believe that the three days of darkness... may not have been literal days. As I'm sure many of you remember, in October of 2019, on the feast of St. Francis of Assisi, they brought in an Az uh, excuse me, Aztec, a, uh, an Amazonian demon set up her idols in the Vatican gardens and then set up proxies for her idols on the altar on the altars in Rome and by the end of that month the earliest news reports coming out of China about a new respiratory illness a new disease a new actually it was an unknown illness at the time seem to be killing people rather quickly. By the end of December, <clears throat> we had a name for this monstrosity. And this monstrosity turned out, we would find out several years later for certain, this monstrosity would turn out to be a bioengineered respiratory virus taken from bats in a laboratory in Wuhan, China. Now, there are people who are going to contest and say, that's not really what happened. To which I'm simply going to respond, don't be stupid. That is exactly what happened. If Jon Stewart can manage to look and go, hey, where did this chocolate, you know, there's an outburst of chocolatey goodness coming from Pennsylvania in a town called Hershey. Maybe it has something to do with the chocolate factory in Hershey, Pennsylvania. It's a good analogy. It's a very good analogy. But if John Stewart can manage to figure out, hey, you know, there's the Wuhan Institute of Virology in the city of Wuhan, China, a couple hundred yards away from where the first cases of this weird illness seemed to come out of nowhere. <laughs> if, even, if even he can figure it out, then maybe the rest of us can just say, okay, you know what? For the people who are continuing to hold on to the lie, your opinion actually clearly does not matter. But by the end of December, it was going to be a thing. And shortly after Ash Wednesday in 2020, the whole of Holy Mother Church shut down, with the exception of maybe a few thousand faithful priests around the world. And it stayed shut down through Easter. And I think a lot of people forget that. 
for the first time in thousands of years, there was no Holy Week. Now, new intel from exorcists seems to indicate that at some point during COVID, exorcism stopped going normally. It took longer. Things were more difficult. It was as if the grace was not there. And this is kind of important. Because there was a commensurate surge, a commensurate shift in things in the 1960s. Right around the time, I think, when the new mass came to be. But it may have actually simply, it may have been closer, may have been closer right around the, uh, the council. <coughs> excuse me, for the publication of particular documents. I don't know specifically. I know that, you know, I wasn't alive back then, and so the numbers are kind of fuzzy for me, but there was a surge, or a, um, not a surge, the opposite of a surge, a, an almost a severing of grace that happened back then where exorcisms would only take a few days, and then suddenly they became protracted. <clears throat> The exorcism that inspired the movie The Exorcist was actually of a little boy in the Midwest, in the United States, and at the time, it was the longest known case, running for more than 50 days. It was the longest case of an exorcism. And it made big waves. Big, unseen waves. COVID seemed to have, seems to have done the same thing. The shutting down of all the churches, nearly all the churches all over the world, and reducing the Holy Mass to something that you can see on YouTube. And I gotta be honest with you, I'm still not entirely comfortable. Like, I've done it a few times, um, particularly when I've been unable to make the trip. But it's not. <laughs> I'm not a fan. That's not my preferred way to attend Holy Mass. The <clears throat> a similar thing seems to have happened during COVID where it's like somebody pumped the brakes on exorcism. And there's an obvious reason for that. How many priests just didn't offer the Holy Mass every day? How many priests just didn't? Can you receive the same graces from, through a computer screen watching a streaming service of the Holy Mass on YouTube? i got to be honest with you. I suspect the answer is no. I'm sure you can fulfill the obligation. But I suspect that it's like trying to pour water from a fire hydrant through a stirring straw from a bar. You know, one of those little straws that you use to stir your cocktail. 
I suspect it's about that effective. The, <clears throat> the obvious thing is, is that over the subsequent years, things got very dark. In all honesty, most of America found out that demons were among us. I mean, they didn't manifest and show with their horns and cloven hooves and, and smoky black bat's wings. But when they were walking by their children's room while they were zooming into school and hearing some of the things that the teachers were teaching and finding out that their schools were pouring wickedness into the minds of their children. <clears throat> and it didn't show up all at once. I mean, if you remember, we were shut down for most of 2020, and the outrage didn't bubble up until, I think we were coming right up on the election. And it didn't even reach full force until the next year. So if we take Ash Wednesday of 2020, and I'm going to put the peg there even though it, <clears throat> it floats a little bit, as kind of the beginning of the darkness, the moment when the sun becomes obscure. When, you know, when the, when it, when the eclipse begins. Because it began in Ash Wednesday, and there was a lot of outrage, but it really didn't come to a fever pitch until after Easter. When everybody started asking, why are the churches still closed? Why would you dare say that a priest is non-essential? Why would you dare say that Holy Mass is non-essential? <clears throat> and it wasn't everywhere. I mean, and to be sure, I mean, that's where, I think it was Father James Altman and a couple other people managed to get themselves into deep poodoo. Um, when they were saying things that were now on the internet rather than in the parish. But if the obstruction began in, in Ash, when, uh, Ash Wednesday of 2020 and probably didn't hit full pitch until right around Easter, right about that moment when you look up and you realize there's no light from the sun. <clears throat> in the whole world, it didn't get dark all at once, to be sure. Some places were wrestling with different things. A lot of places didn't notice it. It would take almost a year from when the coronavirus actually broke out before we started to find, hey, wait a minute, these people were talking about doing this exact thing. Awareness of it didn't come until 2021, going into 2022. And even then, we're still, it's a conspiracy theory. Garbage. <clears throat> and then we started to notice everything else, because it got interesting. There was some data collected, apparently, in 2020, going into 2021, that would come out at the end of 2021, beginning of 2022. We're like, oh, hey, wait a minute. We actually made an impact by shutting down the whole world for a year. And it really wasn't like, so everybody shut down, and then we went through summer, and then things started getting uncomfortable the following fall because we were shut down through the summer. 
And people were still acting the fool. And I remember when I was in Michigan, Michigan not being one of the better places dealing with the coronavirus, but it was starting to come out that people were dying in the nursing homes because, of course, the coronavirus, this human-engineered virus, actually turned out to be principally lethal to old people, which was weird because we knew that from the beginning, but everybody wanted to deny it. But by the end of 2020, I mean, we got to the end of 2020 and boom, all of a sudden, a vaccine. Now everything can get back to normal. And that was when we realized that actually, no, no, the night isn't over. What happened was is darkness started early. Because when everybody started saying, hey, I need to get back to work. I need to feed my kids. I need to do stuff. My children are now becoming... um, intellectually retarded, literally, because everybody's wearing masks and they're not able to form, like, because you have to see the form of the lips in order to emulate the speech that takes time. And yet we went a year, almost a year and a half, where infants weren't able to do that, where those facial cues that people give when they're talking one to another, you're not able to see that anymore. And so the emotional intelligence started to get retarded. And by the end of it, we found out that the masks by themselves, the mad, all of the protocols that we put into place at the end of 2021 going into 2022 had, re- had retarded the growth of our children by 23% and may have actually cost as much in IQ. And that was about the point when I started talking about how the average IQ is between, on average, for most people across the world, the IQ is roughly between 100 and 105. The military has a restriction of bringing in anybody with an IQ lower than 85 because, well, actually lower than 86, because at 85 or below, you now do not have sufficient comprehension to follow orders. And 85 is actually only 15 points lower than 100. And so we may have actually made an entire generation of children into mongoloids in the clinical sense. And that, that started to wake a few people up, although not a many, not many. The remarkable thing about this period of years from 2020, 21, 22, 23 is that the eclipse, like the virus broke out in 19. And I don't think that's when the darkness began. I don't think the darkness began until 2020. But when you're measuring three days, it's not necessarily three days of 24 hours. There are some that say that the evening and the morning were the first day. The church is a little bit different. For example, Sunday does not start at midnight. The Lord's Day actually starts in Vespers on Saturday, so in the evening time on Saturday, and then stretches all the way through until midnight the following day. Other liturgical days are a little bit shorter, but if it's a really, really big feast day, then there's a vigil, and then there's the day, And some of that stuff will stretch for an octave. So, for example, Easter has an octave where it's Easter. So from the vigil on Saturday night 
until what they now call Divine Mercy Sunday, I think it is. That's all Easter. Easter can, that whole stream of Easter for those first eight days actually can be considered, after a manner liturgically, one single day. So from the vigil on Saturday until after Mass sometime, or getting towards Vespers on Sunday, the following Sunday, you can consider Easter to be all one day. <clears throat> Liturgically speaking, that's kind of how that goes in the calendar. Or at least that's how it used to go. Um, so there's a little bit of flexibility. So we say three days of darkness. Did those three days... Now, in Genesis, the evening and the morning were the first day. But if the eclipse comes noon before the first day you still have your three days of darkness. You, know, you understand what I mean? Meaning we have a little bit of flexibility here. <clears throat> the church eclipsed itself shortly after Ash Wednesday, but most definitely on Easter Sunday in 2020. That would have been noon the day before. And then you stretch that through into 21 and 22 and 23, and you get a full three years. But what's weird is there are a lot of people who are awake. They're cognizant. They're looking around. They're now actually keeping watch. But the darkness is actually still over their eyes. And like the old adage goes, it is, in fact, darkest before the dawn. Which is where we come at with 2024. Now, let me back up. So, April 12th, 1947, Our Lady says to Bruna Kornikilva that the wrath of, that the wrath of Satan has been unleashed, that it is no longer being restrained on the world, that his wrath is now going to come out across the world. And his wrath actually presents itself, not in wars necessarily, although that's in there, but in deception, in convincing people that they cannot, and this is actually the key thing, in convincing people of the things that they cannot do without being important enough to move everything else for. April 12th, 1947. Why is this time important? Because after the Second World War, at the beginning of the baby boom, around the world, but most particularly in these United States of America, we refused to pass on strain, strife, and suffering to our children. That's how the baby boomer generation got defined, was everything was me, me, me. You work for the things that you, like the Protestant work ethic, what had been previously known as the Protestant work ethic, then actually got twisted a little bit further in that you work what you work for the things that you achieve, you achieve the things that you, that you work for, and you do not surrender them to anybody. And that's right around the point when the American dream, as we now know it, started to coalesce. 
the dream of comfort, of largesse, of having more than enough food, of having children around the dinner table, of, you know, of a whole family around the dinner table, the, the, the leave it to beaver notion of society. And we in these United States fell for it hook, line, and sinker. Because we just got done winning this war, so why would we give anything up? And the whole world saw that and was like, well, I mean, they're clearly better than us, so maybe we should do it the way they're doing it. Maybe not the best lessons to take out of the Second World War, but nonetheless, those were the lessons that we took. And then we stomped on communism for a good little bit, the 50s, the 60s. But what we didn't realize is that we weren't, we were unwilling, due to a certain amount of generosity of spirit, to go as far as we needed to go in order to protect ourselves from the other half. From, <clears throat> but there was a sufficient amount of deception in this country that we failed to see that capitalism wasn't just good enough to not be communist. It wasn't just good enough to not be socialist. You actually had to strive to not in any way, shape, or form fall into the Marxist dialectic. Because the Marxist dialectic was now running full force in the United States. And more than that, it was beginning to run full force in the church. And how does Satan express his wrath most? Destroy the mystical body of Christ. His enemy is Christ. His enemy is Our Lady. So the two things, the, the one thing that symbolized the two of them the most would be the church. The mystical body. The one holy Catholic and apostolic church. <clears throat> now, Pope Leo XIII had the, grace, had the grace poured out upon him sufficient to see a scene between God and the devil where the devil says um, I can destroy your church and God's like oh really yep I need time okay how much time 75 to 100 years okay let's see what you got now <clears throat> you could say that God you could make the accusation it's a false accusation by the way but you could make the accusation that God should not have entered into a gamble with the devil. You can make that accusation. That is patently untrue. One must remember that God's not ever gambling. God knows the outcome. The devil made the gamble. The devil made the bet. And the devil was given 75 to 100 years. Didn't say when. <clears throat> pope Leo XIII responded the way a good pope does. And he's like, okay, well, we're going to do something about this. And we're going we're gonna to arm ourselves and we're going to protect ourselves. And so he wrote the St. Michael prayer and he uh, <clears throat> did the longer exorcism prayers and stuff like that. He put out the command, you know, Hail Mary, you know, the Hail Marys and the St. Michael's prayer at the end of every Mass. Thereby bolstering the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass and protecting the people who are celebrating it by actually asking for the grace of the protection. 
because you have to ask in order to be given. Our Lord does say, ask and you shall receive. So if you don't ask for the grace, then you won't get the grace. If you don't ask for the protection, then you won't get the protection. You have to ask. And most of us don't. Why don't we? Well, easy. Because 75 years after Pope Leo XIII saw this, they would institute changes into the Mass. <clears throat> right about, eight, I think the number comes in right about 80 years, 80, 80, 85 years. So between the 75 and 100 years. Right around there, Anabali Bonini, Cardinal of the One Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church, and Judas, Judas Maximus, you might say, as he was heavily affiliated with the Freemasons, and people he knew, people he was close with, were not just affiliated with the Freemasons, but were also affiliated with the Ordo Templi Orientis, the Rosicrucians, and other religious Masonic sects that were most definitely and provably hell-bent on overthrowing the One Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church. So the new Mass would be instituted. Okay, that's fine. But we're going to put a pin in that because we need to fast forward now because, because of course, what makes these things difficult to see is that in the 1880s, when Pope Leo XIII saw this, well, you don't get to 75 years when you get to 1947. You only get to like 60-ish years, um, depending on where the number is, because I don't remember the date off the top of my head, but I know that it was in the decade of the 1880s. And I do also know that it was most definitely 1947, April 12th, for the apparition of Our Lady of the Resurrection, excuse me, Our Lady of Re Revelation, <clears throat> Our Lady of Revelation appeared to Bruna Cornicola in that little grotto at Trefontaine. <clears throat> now, plotting from there, if you add 75 years to 1947, you know, then you get you get through you get up to nineteen ninety seven is fifty years, and then add another twenty five years to that, and you come up with two thousand twenty two. <clears throat> Hold that number. Running back to the nineteenth century, to Marie Giuliani, the Breton stigmatist, <clears throat> who gave us um, probably the best codification of the three days of darkness. There was a portion in there where our Lord says to Marie Giuliani that it'd be between right around 80 to 83 years. But he doesn't give a benchmark on that. <clears throat> and it is safe to say that when she passed away 83 years ago, that that might have been the marker. Because 80 to, <clears throat> right around, actually, right around 82 years ago. 80 to 83 years ago puts it right on the cusp of when they shut the churches down and really and we re, things really start going bad. And so it is my supposition, yet again, that the three days of darkness, now that I have these numbers, and by the way, I say yet again, I know it's not in the visible archives. I do have it in my archives in the lead up to the 2020 election. Um, that 
2021-22-23 would likely be the three days. And I've got some room to flex on that one. So we can push that to 22, 23, 24. And we can also kind of stretch it out a little bit like I was just talking about. Because again, these things don't map in perfect little boxes. What I do know is that the last three years have been a tremendously dark time. And we're not done yet. Because there were some bad mistakes. And one of the reasons why I don't think that 2020 is included in the first year is because there were some bad decisions made in 2020. Uh, But there were worse decisions actually made at the beginning of 2021, of which the results and the the resulting darkness would not hit for another year. There's a little bit of stagger time there. So I'm not going to plant my flag on it's absolutely these three years. But I do know that sometime between 2020 and 2025, possibly inclusive but unlikely, contains the three years or the three years that roughly translate to the three days of darkness. And here's why. Yes, there is such a thing as pure beeswax candles. Yes, you can still buy these. In fact, you can contact Kath- Kathleen Loney, um, Kathleen L Loney at gmail.com. Um, and that's K A T H L E E N L. L-O-N-E-Y, all one word, at gmail.com. You can actually contact her and, and order those candles. And she will, and, and once you order them, she'll, you know, she's, she'll make the candles and she'll get the, uh, and she'll have them blessed for free. And then she'll get them back to you along with a complete kit that includes all of the items that are mentioned in the Three Days of Darkness kit. Now, there are some things that kind of clicked with me that are kind of ultimately important. One, she mentioned miraculous metals. That's really actually the only sacramental that I'm going to hold on to with a death grip. I wear the purple scapular of benediction and protection. I have a purple scapular of benediction and protection hanging up in my house. There are specific promises. Remember, you have to ask for the grace to get them. Um, There are specific promises that come with those, with that sacramental. I believe that while there is absolutely a real, literal, understanding to the pure bees to to candles made of the purest beeswax and the reason here's the thing pure beeswax candles our lady didn't you know the 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 description of the candles was not a hundred percent pure the description of the candles were candles made of the purest beeswax what does that mean Yes, it means 100% pure beeswax candles. Yes, absolutely. But there is a spiritual meaning to the phrase made of the purest beeswax. And it's actually partially connected to the word sincere. Now, sincere in this particular case gets a little bit weird because sincere is from is from the Latin sine, cere. 
without wax. Without wax, in this particular case, to be sincere is to make a sculpture of marble or stone and not have the defects necessary or where the defects in the sculpture where it would be necessary to fill and sculpt those defects with wax, which was the practice. So to be sine cere is to be perfect in your expression. That's what it means to be sincere. You don't have to pay, you don't have to glom over the defects in my intention with wax. You don't have to try and make it more perfect by adding something yourself. <clears throat> so candles made of the purest beeswax would be candles, you, the light, this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Okay, cool. Now that we've connected the candles of the purest beeswax, bees, particularly in the monasteries, were generally understood to be loyal, dedicated, earnest, zealous workers. And beeswax is the product that they worked. It was the thing that they made. If you look at actually a lot of the, um, the coats of arms for monasteries around the world, you will notice that the number one way to denote a, mo a monk, a monastery, particularly of the Benedictine variety, where you get the Ora et Labora, is typically the coat of arms also has bees on it. So candles made of the purest beeswax means candles, a person whose deeds are made with are done with the perfect perfection of charity, the perfection of humility, the perfection of justice, the perfection of mercy, the perfection of temperance, the perfection of fortitude, and without the flaws of pride, greed, wrath, envy, lust or sloth. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Or gluttony, obviously, or gluttony. But, so what does that mean? That means that in order to be able to see in the darkness, a person whose works are made of the purest beeswax with the purest of intentions, with 
the with the Lord being the center of the attention, those candles will light the way in a manner that will allow you to see through the three days of darkness. And there were some other parallels in there. For example, <clears throat> it was said that you needed to stay home and needed to close off the windows and needed to not get curious and look outside at the things that were going on outside. I'm actually surprised that people actually that people mostly believe that this is a lock yourself in your home sort of thing. Because we live in a world where what if you're driving and these three days of darkness happen? Are you going to draw the curtains over your tractor trailer? No, of course not. What does that mean? That means that this particular prophecy has predominantly, although probably not exclusively, a spiritual component to it. Well, where do we get that? We stay home, we close the windows, we, we shut the windows and the doors, we close the curtains, and we do not allow ourselves to be tempted to open the door or look out the window. Well, funny you should mention it, but there were some cardinals and bishops at the Second Vatican Council and a pope who said, we want to throw open the, world, the windows of the church and allow some of the fresh air from the world in. I'm going to let that sit there for a second while I open another one of these really, really crappy adult beverages. I tend to be of a relatively curious sort, and so I'll try a lot of things, especially if they look interesting. But occasionally there's some disappointment. And then out of penance, I'll actually just go ahead and finish the job. That's kind of where I am with these, and I'm not even going to mention their name because they're not worth purchasing. And it's not beer. That was probably my first mistake. The <clears throat> throwing open of the windows of the church. It was a really good metaphor. It, <laughs> it described a church that needed to do some spring cleaning. Spring cleaning. Everybody's kind of familiar with this. The weather starts to change. The, it becomes warm enough where you can actually open up the windows. And on one of the days where it's kind of moderately good, you know, not too bad, you open up the, you open up the doors, you open up the windows, and you let all of the inside air of the house out and allow all of that wonderful fresh air in, thereby refreshing the inside of your house. Which if they would have had a brain, would have realized that is not what you do when your enemies are the world, the flesh, and the devil. Because when you open up the windows to the church, you, you're not getting pure, crisp spring air. You're getting the smoke of Satan. So you don't really get the chance to look around and go, oh man, by some, by some strange fissure, the smoke of Satan has entered the church. Nah, dog, maybe you shouldn't. And I'm not even joking. Like the first time it was described to me, I looked up, I was like, nah, dog, perhaps you shouldn't have thrown, up the, thrown open the windows. The smoke of Satan entered the church. Duh, you opened the windows. The whole rest of the world was a burning pit of sulfur. Come on, man. I would have thought this was obvious. 
But, well, apparently it wasn't. So, using that as a parallel, what do we mean? What did our Lord and Lady mean when they said, close and bar the windows, close and bar the doors, draw the curtains, and do not look outside? I mean, stay in Rome. And don't look at it what the world's doing, because you will die. She said it explicitly, you will die. Did she mean die in body? Well, if the three days of darkness are also a literal thing, then yes, during those three days, that is probably the case. If it is a spiritual meaning, as a complex set of visions like this probably would be, then maybe not exactly. Maybe it's stay inside and don't look out at what the world is doing the way the church did when they threw open the windows during the Second Vatican Council, thereby allowing the smoke of Satan to come in. Maybe you don't look outside because what's going to end up happening is your curiosity. Curiosity killed the cat and everybody likes to get all, oh, but I'm not a cat. Well... Did you know that it takes once to see something? Just once. You can see it once. And you'll forever actually have that memory. Now, you may file it in the back of, you know, all the way in the back of your head, but you're but it's in your memory. It's there. So if you open a porno magazine once. You happen to open it to uh, what they call the centerfold. And you're fascinated by the image. That's all it takes to open the door to Satan. That's it. We know this. If you open the doors to your home or you draw the curtains so you can look outside to look upon the, the diabolical and demonic activity outside, there is a likelihood that from the sin both of presumption and of curiosity that you will die. that during that time, the sin of curiosity, effectively what Our Lady is saying, is that during that time, the sin of curiosity becomes a mortal sin. Let's look out at the world and see what they're doing. That becomes a mortal sin. So it becomes much more important to exercise custody of the mind, custody of the emotions, custody of your eyes, your ears. You have to Maintain custody of your senses, and you must not look. Only takes once. Only takes one time for your child to open up their phone and dial up a porno website and happen upon a thumbnail and open a file that's been cursed 
only takes once. And from that one action, though it is rare, your child can become demon-possessed. Once. That's all it takes. Sounds harsh, doesn't it? It's like, oh, but surely... No, no, actually, it only takes a toddler one time of defying their parents and going to play out in the streets. It only takes once for that toddler to get run over by a truck. They may go defy their parents and go play in the street time and time and time again, but the fact is, is that it only actually takes once for them to run out into the street not paying attention and... Dead. And like the morons we are, we look at that and we blame God for it. You said don't do it. It only takes once. And surely the devil's not under every stone. And surely maybe you get away with once or twice, you know, just kind of pulling a couple inches off the curtain to kind of see what's going on outside. But in reality, it only takes opening the door once. Because in that time, further going, you can have the door barred, you can have the curtains drawn, you can have everything shut out to make sure that the evils that are going on out in the world do not get in. But during that time, you will hear a loved one say from behind a door knock, help me, please let me in. Sharon, please open the door. It's me, Melissa. Let me in. Which means, from a spiritual standpoint, that your loved ones will lie to you to get you to do what they're doing, and it will kill your soul. There was a lot of focus on the tongue in those prophecies. An inflammation of the tongue, a corrupting of the tongue. I think by now, your brain should be dialed in enough to know that we're talking about lies, that we're talking about deception, that we're talking about an obvious and by the way, the symptoms she describes are obvious. If you ever saw them once, you would never ever see them out of your like to, when you imagine them. Just imagining them is enough to actually imprint it. Yeah, no. The symptoms are not subtle. They're obvious. <clears throat> and the remedies are very well likely also spiritual. What do I mean? Well, if I remember correctly, I think it's hemlock. I think it's hemlock. Hawthorn, not hemlock. <clears throat> a particular type of hawthorn is the remedy for the illness. Hawthorn's got a lot of spiritual meaning as well. I can tell you it's not something you'll like. It's akin to saying, children, you have to take your medication. And you're not going to be able to sugarcoat it. You must follow the instructions precisely. Meaning that when your spiritual director is giving you your medication, when he's telling you what it is that you need to do in the sacrament of penance, you need to do exactly what he tells you. Why would that be a thing? Because during these three days of darkness, I don't know 
if you noticed, but the question is about obedience. It's about how much obedience each Catholic owes to the Pope. It's about how much obedience bishops are actually required to give. It's about how much obedience the priests are actually required to do. It's about how much obedience we must pay to a father who has decided that they're going to that he's going to sell us into slavery, that he's going to abuse us at every turn, that he's going to persecute us and do everything that he can to harm us. Where are the limits of obedience there? <clears throat> and I will tell you that if there was anything, the reason why American Catholics, it's I'm, my own opinion here, actually this whole hour has been my own opinion. You can take or leave this whole thing. Um, <clears throat> But my own opinion here is that the reason why this is so key in America is because there's no place more prone to rebellion than these United States. Because, like everybody loves saying, we're, we were the first ones to do it right. And that's why that would be the challenge that seems to be specifically coming from the United States of America. Those are my suppositions about the prophecy on the three days of darkness. To be sure, I am not at all discounting the real effects. In fact, I will tell you that when the three days of darkness comes, should it be should that actually have been a literal message? Because there's also the possibility that it wasn't literal from the start. <clears throat> um but that'll actually make the provisions like the provisions that I've taken care of more miraculous, more obvious. But the principal reason why I don't think the three days of darkness is necessarily a literal thing is because, and it's really just a matter of comfort for my own psyche. Anybody driving when that pops off, they're doomed. They could be the most holy, most pious person ever. They're doomed. And it's only because they happen to get caught out on the road that they're doomed. And so I would prefer to not think that that's actually the way that's going to go. But the spiritual translate, the spiritual interpretation of, of all of those prophecies those actually fit very well. The fact that it was headquartered around a disease. The fact that that disease actually has mostly to do with lying and blasphemy. Because that's the real problem in our culture today. It's lying and blasphemy. Did you not know that you could blaspheme against humanity? It's not a direct blasphemy. It's, it's because like, oh, but we're people, right? Well, yeah, but if you blaspheme in a particular manner against humanity that reflects, it imposes itself as a blasphemy against God. And the only climate I've ever been interested in changing has been this climate of blasphemy and impiety. But that, that's where I think we're at. And I think this next year, because it is always darkest before the dawn. 
I think that this next year is going to be some kind of unique and special hell. I think that it's going to be just as important to follow the precepts. We're very clearly in the midst of a decisive battle. And it stands to reason that these are the three days of darkness at the beginning of a much more protracted war that, in all honesty, I think will actually last at least another five years. <clears throat> 2029 is the 100th anniversary of when Our Lady appeared to Sister Lucia and said, the time has come for the Holy Father to consecrate Russia to my Immaculate Heart. But that's already happened. You know, that's a God thing. That's not my thing. It does not look like it's already happened. So 2029 is the 100th anniversary. On the 104th anniversary in 2033, I'm pretty sure time's up. Because two years later, our Lord, in 1931, our Lord did appear to Sister Lucia and said, that given the fact that the Popes have chosen, that the Pope has chosen the path of the kings of France, he will follow, he will follow the kings of France into destruction. So, hanging on out there, in 2029, would be the global abolition of Christianity. And in 2033 would be the execution of the Pope. If you were to follow the paths of the King of France, in 2029... Christianity is outlawed, and in 2033, the Pope is executed. Is that going to happen? I don't know. <clears throat> I'm not God. I'm merely overlaying the past onto the future. And that does actually... It, it tracks. It tracks almost perfectly. It says... You know, we had a vision. We had a vision of a man in white, uh, of a bishop in white. We we believe it was the Holy Father, and he was walking through a half-ruined city with it, with it, with streets that were full of corpses. And he was having to step over, and he was having to step over the dead, and he was weeping tremendously. Now, if that pope happens to be an apostate pope, then it doesn't actually matter whether, like, obviously he would be a bishop in white, and you would have the impression that he's the Holy Father, and that kind of and that tracks to today. Are we not all feeling that to some degree or another? Not making any accusations on this one. I'm not trying to be spicy. <clears throat> it would stand to reason then that in the lead up to 2029, when Christianity, when the Roman Catholic Church actually is banned. And make no mistake about it, the United Nations and the leaders of the world could actually just come out and say that we're, we're no longer 
Like the, the Catholic Church is now the enemy of every state in the world. That's perfectly within the realm of reason. It's not like it's never happened before. And it would probably take about three or four years before they would get ballsy enough to act and actually intercept, arrest, and assassinate the Pope. That is the best corollary, the best descriptor. And this, that time period could simultaneously be the three days of darkness, but it does not feel like that. It does feel like those particular prophecies, Marie-Julia Jehani's prophecy and the, simil- and the ones that are similar to hers, and the prophecy that came out of Fatima, and Akita, and the ones that are similar to that, it does sound like two distinctively different types of events that they're talking about. And we shall see. Because I could be wrong. The important thing, the reason why I was willing to dive this deep into all of this and try and tie it all together into one piece, the important thing is that if you close the windows of your home, you shut the curtains and you bar the door of your home, you protect your family. You don't open it out to the world. You protect your family. You go to church, you go to Holy Mass, you receive the sacraments, you, 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 know, you go to, go to um, confession, get married in the church, have children, have them baptized in the church. You continue to do the things, but you live your life as a Catholic. You don't get crazy about all of the divisions. It's one of the reasons why this these last few weeks, when uh, Marco Tassati and I think and, and a bunch of other Italian priests and theologians came out and they wrote that paper on sedimentifregism, um, or sedimentifregoism, that I absolutely loved it. Because it's not important. It really, not for yourself, for your personal salvation, whether or not Pope Francis is actually the Pope doesn't matter. For your personal salvation, if Pope Francis is an anti-Pope, it doesn't matter. If there hasn't been a Pope since 1958, it doesn't matter. If Pope Francis is quickly becoming a heretic pope or an apostate pope, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what comes out of the synod and synodality. It does not matter what the USCCB does. It does not matter in any of those. It matters that you yourself are Catholic, that you raise your family Catholic, that you stay under the protection of Our Lady's mantle, that you do everything that you can to try and get closer to Our Lord's cross You do the things that Catholics know that they have to do, and that is what becomes important. That's what becomes important. All other things don't matter. And so to them, you can say, Menefrego, I don't care. I don't care if the Pope's an apostate. I'm trying to make sure my kids get to heaven. I don't care if the bishops 
decide that they're going to go to war with each other and they're actually going to meet each other in the, in, in the field of Manassas and go at each other with musk, muskets. It matters not. They'd never do that. They're, too, they're, they're too, way too weak for that. Um, <clears throat> but it matters not. It doesn't matter all that much that Bishop Strickland got fired. It doesn't matter that Cardinal Burke got kicked out of his apartments and had his, and had his, um, his pension taken away from him. It matters, to be sure. Um, but it doesn't. But that's not a matter for your personal salvation. That's not one of the things that you need to work out with fear and trembling. That's one of the things that's merely happening in the time that you live in, and you must not let that affect your salvation. You must not let that affect your relationship with Christ Jesus. You must not let that affect your participation in the sacraments. Because it's when you do that that you open up the curtain, you look out at the world, you see what they're doing, and the devil kills you. Eric Gajewski at Tradcad Knight and I don't have the same opinion on the papacy. We're more similar than different, but we don't have the same opinion on the papacy. Nobody is willing to do what I believe has to be done. And I'm okay with that because I don't really, I wouldn't really want to do it either. But nobody is willing to do what I believe has to be done. And that's okay. I'm going to continue to believe it and hold it and say, no, that's the practical answer. And I'm not going to take one step towards doing it because it violates. God's will, quite explicitly, as illustrated by King David. <clears throat> but nobody, nobody's willing to do that, and that's fine. And I'm not going to call anybody, oh, you're too weak to do that. I mean, I'll poke fun at the bishops for being too weak to just line it up in battle lines in, in some place like Manassas and just shoot it out. And that's mostly because they won't even debate it. They won't even put it on the table and argue it amongst themselves. They're too stuck on collegiality. And I do kind of want to tell them to put, pull their members out of the backsides of their fellow members and get on with figuring out what's actually good for the body of Christ. That love fest you guys have going on there, hoping that it'll never really get contentious. <clears throat> one, of you, one or ten or a hundred of you needs to start channeling the spirit of St. Nicholas into your speeches. Because there's at least a few of you that need to be popped in the mouth. And you need to quit being weak and stand up. But if you're not going to do it, well, I'm not a bishop, so I guess that's where I'm at. And I would never consider laying, the hand, laying hands on an anointed of the Lord unless I, too, was anointed of the Lord. Then it's on like Donkey Kong. Oh, but that's not the proper action of a bishop. I'm sorry. Heresy has no rights. Apostasy has no rights. Error has no rights. And anybody who's going to be invincibly heretical, invincibly apostatic, invincibly ignorant. Well, you're going to get vinced one way or the other. 
Anyhow, like I said, that's not my place. We need to be doing what we need to do for our own salvation. We need to be less worried about what's going on in Rome. We need to be doing what we're supposed to be doing in accordance with our duties for our families, which means that we need to be worried a little bit less about what's going on in Washington, D.C. or Ottawa. We need to be doing the things that we are supposed to do. And let the dead bury the dead. Let them do that. And most importantly, since they're going around changing all the documents, it wouldn't go amiss to go out and get the documents they can't change. The Catechism of Trent. The Catechism of St. Pius X. The Baltimore Catechism. Bishop Athanasius Schneider's new book, Credo. It'd be a good idea so that you have those defenses, so that you know what the church teaches, and you can protect yourself. And you can protect your children by teaching them. One of the nice things about the Roman Catechism is, oh, it's for priests to teach. Well, fathers, dads, husbands, you're the priest. The Roman Catechism is a really good thing to have so that you can teach your children. <clears throat> I don't know the recipe. I just know it's in Scripture. I think that's about all I have for today. It's been a very, very long talk. I didn't expect to go this long. Pray for the church. We need to be praying for the conversion of these morons who are hell-bent on going to hell. Pray for your nation. You need to be praying for the conversion of those morons who are hell-bent on going to hell. And pray for us in Catholic social media, lest we become hell-bent on going to hell. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.